When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Guy Fieri finger blasts a like a, a holiday gnome or something like that in, within 12 minutes. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hip, hip, hooray! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Happy birthday! <laughs> mm, yeah, if you get out in the sun, you're going to melt. It's Happy no one's birthday. birthday. Why does Frosty say that? Why does Frosty say that? I watched this uh, the birthday. other night. It's his birthday. It's his well, birthday. Why is he saying it to himself? Who says happy birthday to He's themselves? He's got a, the mind of a child. I did when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say eight, but I did it well into my teens. <laughs> happy birthday! It's my that's birthday! Funny. Okay, that's that explains a lot. That's why he says it anyway. I mean, that's why he says it. Uh, because he was, you know, he was he was a Pinocchio-like uh, person uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, with who was just snow, and then and then somebody said some magic words, and he's he's a, he's he's living. By the way, we watched the Christmas episode of the Goes Wrong show last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and that's good. That part where the snowman gets start pulling into the the, the fucking gift generator or whatever, <laughs> and he has to climb down to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, so great. I love that show. Now uh, I demand more. It's just like the uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. There's so yeah. little that I need. So funny. I need some more. And you need yeah. more. Uh, what are you guys angry about? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Oh, man. I got to pull up my notes to remember. <laughs> Several, man. Jer- Jer- Jeremy wrote like a bullet point list of how many <laughs> I things did. you off about. Okay, so I, I, my, my, my biggest rant is just going to make me sound horny, which I oh, guess is okay. probably already part of my I'm reputation. Fine I'm fine by that. When 25% of your movie is fucking, mm, mm. make it rated R and mm-hmm. show us some fucking. Right. Right? Yeah. I saw this movie called Equals. It's a sci-fi movie. with It basically stars Kristen Stewart, Nicholas Holt, and uh, Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, promising, right? Right. Uh, uh, <clears throat> the, the premise is like they don't feel emotions. And mm. emotions are a disease, and they have to take a cure so they don't feel emotions. I'll tell you what, it gave me vibes of Equilibrium and The Island 
and divergent. And, okay. and by that, I mean, it did not give me very many originality vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow Nicholas Holt and Kristen Stewart both start to feel around mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, the middle 30 minutes of this movie is them sneaking off to fuck mm-hmm. every night. Mm-hmm. And there's, the movie makes no doubt. The movie's not saying they're kissing and then they hug and say goodnight. Or they're only holding... The movie is saying they are fucking. Mm-hmm. But it's PG-13. And so we get to see oh. them kiss. And they slide down the wall. And it fades to another thing. And then they're both back at work or pretending to be automatons. And then five minutes later, they're sneaking off the back door to go kiss. And then they slide down the wall and it fades to something else. And I'm just like, if the, if the point of the fucking movie is they're having a passionate, lurid, torrid love affair, I'm making up words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> show us yeah. some of it. Right? Like, yeah. why would you make that a PG-13 film? The, po- the whole point of the movie is them discovering their sexuality and their bodies and having this lust. Mm-hmm. And and I watched. I mean, the whole obviously, thing. yeah, of course you did. <laughs> obviously, this has more to do with Kristen Stewart it than does it does not. with the actual movie. It, I it can doesn't. defend this. It does. it does not. She's naked. No, I'm, I'm totally on totally on board with what Jeremy's saying here. There's a lot of examples of this. Yes. What's, what's another example? I was thinking about 1984 as being very similar to this, right? Because the the protagonist and and his uh, his mate they go off and and have this torrid affair. <laughs> But they they also they also show nudity and and everything in 1984. So. Oh really? It's been mm-hmm. so long since I've seen it. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know make... if they show them like really just banging one out or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what I remember about 1984. That's right, where the headboard is like like you know just <laughs> bumping up against the wall and shit. Um, but uh, there's a lot of nudity in it though. Um. Yeah, I know what he's saying. There, 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 it, it happens with even when there's like, uh, there's not sex, but the character is playing like a stripper or something like that. Like the 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 big all time one that you think of in this is Sin City, mm-hmm. uh, where Jessica mm-hmm. Alba agrees to be a stripper in Sin City. Now, I agree. If you don't want to get n- naked, don't get naked. But also. <laughs> it's so silly to watch a stripper and Bruce Willis is pissed off that she's grown up to be a stripper when she's fully clothed. She up could on go the to st- high school in that outfit, man. Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't make any sense for the movie <laughs> for him. Point. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point. And I have seen Kristen Stewart naked in plenty of films. If I needed that, I could go find that. That's not the yeah. point. The point yeah, is sure. the movie is saying it could be any cast. The movie is saying they are fucking. It's not like mm-hmm. they're in love and there's daisies and it's happy. Like they're oh, they're banging one yeah. out every yeah. night. Mm-hmm. And right. I just don't know why you make that movie. And it, it it could very well have been the financers or I don't know studio. I don't know. I just don't. It, it felt like an R-rated movie that pulled all of its punch punches. Mm-hmm. Well, punches. what's what's wild about this is the R-rated movies that do this. I mean, again, like Sin City, obviously, but also uh, the uh, the favorite uh, where that's highly sexual, both with the Joe Alwyn character and with the Olivia Coleman character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's implied. And actually the Rachel Weisz and Olivia Coleman uh, characters, it's implied, but it's certainly, in fact, 
that's very implied. Like you could argue that 25% of that movie or more is about sex because that's uh, a method by which you can, you can become the favorite. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't appear in that movie at all. So yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. I got you. Yeah. I'm picking yeah, up what you're saying. I hope people understand the nuance there and it doesn't just get boiled down into Jeremy's a horny turd fuckhole. Yeah. Um, no, I, just... I, am, I am that. <laughs> Right. No, no, no. It, it makes sense because the, the story you tell, this is what a lot of actors will refer to when they're talking about, well, I won't do nudity unless it's, uh, you know, important to the story or whatever. Well, a story about sex is, you know, that that's the point. It doesn't, doesn't get your point across by just showing them sliding off into a, a room somewhere and then cutting, you know, letting the wind blow through the curtains and shit like that. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like a train coming out of a tunnel. Right. right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, go, go all the way. Don't, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, that, if that's what that movie's about. So yes. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you chose that one out of the bullet point. List. I am too, actually. I think that was the most fun. The other ones could have mm-hmm. got boring easily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you pissed off about, Chris? Um, yeah, uh, so this just recently came up. Uh, I think it's th- my nitpicking of this may be nothing. It, the The reason why this happens may not be anything, may not be any real reason for it, but I find it highly <sighs> irritating when I watch ESPN and they show the players, like they'll show the, the crawls at the bottom of all the news that's going on during the day. And they'll say, this player is out for the game due to virus. Mm-hmm. And they say virus. They don't say COVID. Mm-hmm. They say out because of virus. And whoever's doing those, whoever's in charge of those things, it happens on every single time somebody is mentioned, by the way. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's NASCAR. doesn't matter if it's whatever. Tests positive for virus is what they say. Now, the person who's writing this is doing probably the bare minimum of contempt for what COVID is, I think. I, and, there, and so that they so that nobody really like somebody like me comes out and says, what the fuck is up with that test positive for virus? You know, it sounds like a stupid argument, right? It is a right. stupid argument. But at the same time, I'm going to call out your bullshit ESPN. Uh-huh. This fucking test positive for vi- if the person had AIDS, would you say test positive for virus? Yeah, no, no, you would not, you would not do that. You would say test positive for AIDS. You would you would spell out what they got. If they have the flu, you would say they have the flu. But for COVID, you're saying virus. Very, very, very like a uh, broad term for for something and i think the person in charge of that is probably not taking this shit seriously um, oh man i'm even more conspiracy theorist than that ooh, i think ooh, there's I money at the top. yeah uh, i think there are so many people that are reading those scrolls without hearing the audio I'm thinking about sports bars, but I'm also thinking about people at home like me. Like right now, I'm not, I don't have my TV on ESPN, but my, my TV is muted and it's turned on. And if it was on ESPN, I might glance over and read the scroll, but not hear 
an anchor say COVID or what have you. I think I'm just I am just dumb enough to think there is a, a, a purpose, especially since you're saying it seems it's a it's across every sport. You're saving if you just write COVID, you're not saving any letters at all. Nope. Uh, virus and COVID are the same length. If you write COVID-19, you add two extra letters. Uh, coronavirus is longer, I guess. But that argument that we're saving text is, is too thin here. So it has to be intentional. And I don't think one person controls the scrolls for 24 hours a day at ESPN. I think there are different people, so, which makes me think this is a rule taped to the fucking computer screen of the guy that types the, you know, the office of the scroll typers that says always call COVID virus because this, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL was like saying, please don't call it as often as you can call it virus instead of COVID. Um, well, right. it's not even the NFL. Uh, it, what I've seen from what I saw on the crawl, it was test positive. Like Nick Saban mm-hmm. test positive. Oh, it was wow. even, not even less virus anymore. Yeah, they're not. They're, no, I, this was before. So maybe maybe they've uh, somebody's told them to add virus because that's mm-hmm. more specific than test positive. But mm-hmm. uh, that would always drive me crazy. Like, you know, this guy test positive. This woman test positive. I'm like, I had the same level of annoyance as you did. I'm like, wait, you can't finish that sentence. It takes nothing to finish that sentence. It's not like you even have to have the text bars in in justified format like we have on our sins videos. It crawls. You can write Mm -hmm. complete sentences and they crawl (laughs) along. uh, I've I've begun to project on those every time I see test positive for virus. I've like I've started to make it sound sarcastic in my mind. Mm-hmm. test positive like putting quotes around it test positive uh, for virus, virus. <laughs> you know that's how stupid it looks on screen when they say they test positive for a virus you know like for virus like i was, I was sitting there thinking if you are and, and obviously i mean how many people in the world haven't heard of covid at this point right there's probably there might actually be some people out there oh that haven't God. heard of yeah. But like I was sitting there and I'm thinking about the guy who's in a coma for three years and he wakes up and an ESPN is up while he's, while he's, and it's like test positive for virus. What is that? What does it mean? <laughs> it's Killian Murphy and 28 days later. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? What is this virus? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, ultimately what it comes down to is we're very specific about everything. When they get hurt, it's like, you know, uh, Todd Gurley knee can't play. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Out with a knee. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Carson went shoulder and groin and all these different places. They'll show, they'll be very specific about that. It's not like Carson Wentz out injury. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what that fucking virus thing is saying. Basically is, 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 it's something broad. It's something that you don't need to worry about, I guess. It's, it's like a hockey that. report, right? Like lower body injury. Or like yeah, lower even, body injury. even hockey only does that in the playoffs, man. In the yeah. regular mm-hmm. season, they'll be like spleen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Xiphoid process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I find that irritating. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I know that, I know that we do these rants. They're all, you know, they're, they're usually based on something kind of small and irksome. A lot of times they're not always big things or whatever. And in this case, that's not a big thing to be worried about in the, in the case of the world of the day. But I do think there is something going on there 
where they're doing the bare minimum mm -hmm. and they're not taking it seriously. Or like Jeremy saying, there's an edict that saying, don't call it COVID on screen. And you know, like it's fucking Voldemort or something. So, yeah. <laughs> the virus that should not be named. Should not be yeah. named. <laughs> well, you let us know. COVID Mort. In the next couple of weeks, you let us know if it changes to like China virus or something. And then oh, we'll yeah. See, the Wuhan virus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would like to hear Mark from American Movie pronounce COVID. COVID. They, they, that oh. meme has uh, has circulated, by the way. <laughs> it's called COVID. <laughs> COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got an even more important rant uh, mm, than that. Well, more important. Jockey bastard. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's frightening almost. All right. There's a new channel. Yeah, I still have cable. We all still have cable. You know what, kids? <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. We got cable. We flip channels. All right, bitches. All right. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a new channel on this cable that I have. I have not snipped the cord, and it's called Recipe.TV. It's right in the, the bunch of the cooking channels. There's the literal cooking channel, and then there's Food Network, and mm -hmm. then there's Recipe.TV. Mm -hmm. And what Recipe.TV does between uh, insufferable commercials, because it's a nascent uh, network and it's trying to get all the revenue that it can, so they're doing dermabrasion shit and stuff like that. But when they do air stuff, it's people making recipes for food that you can consume. Mm -hmm. and some of it is redundant. There's this Irish woman that's very, very pleasant, but she makes Irish food, and I have no interest in Irish food, all right? Soda bread can suck my dick, all mm -hmm. right? It's not mm -hmm. it's not tasty. Jesus. Guinness, Guinness is right. Guinness, uh, but uh, I don't really care about cooking with it. Bangers they do have, they do have, I'm, I'm kidding, Irish people, I love you, uh, but they do have like a, a, a chef that does Parisian bistro cooking, and they have like, you know, chefs from all over L.A. that show you how they make their fine dining things from scratch, from everything that they do every step. This is what I crave. There's a reason that Julia Child was so popular back in the day. There was a reason that Jacques, uh, the, the Cajun guy, the uh, Jacques uh, Cousteau. <laughs> Emerald Lagasse? Emerald. What? No, there was a there was a Cajun cook called uh, Jacques something. Uh, but yeah, Emerald Lagasse, Rachel Ray, even uh, that that they became so popular is that they took an empty pan, an empty cutting board, no mise en place, and they started making a meal. And then you could see the meal to its completion and you could make that meal. What you have on Cooking Network and Food Network now is like Guy Fieri finger blasts a like a, a holiday gnome or something like that in within 12 minutes. <laughs> and it's a it's a competition of, <laughs> of finger blasting. I will finger blast your off. hat off, you <laughs> stupid no. <laughs> and it's and it's always competitions. It's always time limits. It's always like uh, we're going to show. Or it's I even do like the guy Fieri uh, goes goes in the kitchen and watches people make stuff. The diners and and the drives and the dinings uh, because it actually shows. Even though it's quick, it shows how to make these recipes. It, it goes too quickly and it's too kitschy, but at least you can see how these recipes are done. And I've used some of those, but there is nary an episode on these channels where you can see, hey, here's what I've got. I've got my grill going. I've got my griddle going. I've got this going. I've got my water boiling. And 
Here's how I make something. Much like binging with Babish does. He takes it from the very beginning up until the very end. Shows you all the screw-ups in between and that kind of thing. But when you're watching on television, why don't we have more cooking shows? Those are popular. Those are popular. Uh, we don't need uh, Michael Simon buttfucks Bobby Flay over a, over a barbecue for $70 million for charity while he's grilling a steak. I don't need to see that. Uh, even the steak part, I don't need to see that. I just need to see how to make food and food that I might not normally make. Is Don't you think that that would be a popular thing? If you're interested, I'm very interested in food programming. So this appeals to me. Here's my, I have a theory about this. All right. Mm-hmm. I have a theory about this. Those shows are popular. Um, but not because people actually want to cook that shit. Which shows uh, are popular? Uh, the, the shows where somebody, I'm not talking about recipe TV, which I did flip to, by the way. Um, um, <clears throat> I'm talking about like the, okay, my wife watches a, a, a slew of Sunday cooking shows on the Food Network. These are not competition shows. These are like the Girl Meets Farm. The and Pioneer the fucking Pioneer Woman. Oh, yeah. Freaks me out, dude. Okay, well, point is, she's, she basically shows you how to make from start to finish. There are more cuts in between, but my wife loves those shows. We have cookbooks from both of those women, and we've never made one of those dishes. <laughs> um, and we cook a lot. So I, I don't know that Recipe TV will be as popular as people who aren't like you, because I think you are unique and part of the reason why food network other than Sundays has pushed largely into this stupid ass competition, tiny spatulas, world's worst (laughs) cooks. Uh, Like it's really mindless, dumb, stupid, like, you know, Guy Fieri finger blasts a pork belly sandwich. Um, or, I mean, the other half of their, the other half of their program is literally watch people eat. Watch people take bites of awesome food and go, mmm. Yeah. That's like half their shows. Well, and, and that's so, what Chef's Table is on Netflix, too. And that's what Ugly Delicious is on that and, and stuff like that. It's it, all of this food program. And that's moved what into people what you're are saying. watching. That's yeah. what people, I don't yeah. think, I don't think Recipe TV is going to do well with only recipe programming because I, I I think there's only so much of that and that's almost always personality driven, not recipe driven. So you think the market is not if Julia Child were to come out today, you don't think that she would find the audience that she found I do uh, because she was day? a personality. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But I don't know that a network entirely devoted to start to finish recipe episodes can sustain i don't think i don't think uh, there's a reason that there's a reason that the, the food network isn't doing it anymore yeah i, yeah, I can't yeah. claim to know what it is but people people love sense. the holiday bake-off where you fucking that have a drive or let's make a cake the size of a children's bed and yeah. make it all out of frosting <laughs> like i could give a rat's ass lay like, down in it timmy and then you can eat your way out <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, it pisses me off. I want to learn how to cook stuff, especially if it's somebody like there was an Indian lady uh, that would do uh, Indian dishes from scratch. And you could see how that worked. There was a Mexican lady uh, on Food Network that would uh, show you how to make Mexican dishes from from scratch. I need to know this so I'm not making, you know, 
honey, soy, salmon for the next 30 years. Like I've been doing, like I did last night. It was delicious, by the way. Uh, okay. Well, I also want to point out that Recipe TV is showing like several hours in a row of Catherine's farmhouse kitchen. So I think they may have like a content problem as well. They do. They're, they're trying Catherine to get not more talent very on there. engaging to me. No, no. Uh, God love her. And, <laughs> and yet she's on this channel for the next three hours. So that I'm Parisian dude that. is fucking awesome, though. He's going to become the if this does take off, he's going to become the star. He's, and he's then like he'll a, jump to Food Network and make more money. Probably, uh, and but Georgia I think tiny spatula competition. <laughs> he's going to be on Beat Bobby fucking flex. <laughs> Here's tonight's competition. You have to make a giant pancake with a spatula the size of your toe. <laughs> you have to stir the ingredients only with your genitalia. <laughs> 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 and it's weird because I like it when they do that on Top Chef, but I think Top Chef is a, a the exception to the rule. Uh, they completely. definitely are because ninety nine percent of their competitions are about cooking, and when they do that stuff, it's it's more for fun and almost always in that quick fire competition, yeah. not in the final elimination competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, good rant. All right, you ready to do some recommends and warns? Yeah. Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Fuck yeah. I got a little long list of them shits, too. Bring it. Fuck yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I saw uh, Happiest Season with my wife. Okay. Another case do. Another case do. Yes, this was not intentional. Um, But uh, I was curious about this movie. The trailer was good. And listen. One thing I will tell you about this movie is there's someone in this cast you want to sleep with. Oh, I'm just right. telling you outright because it's, mm-hmm. it's it's Kristen Stewart, it's Mackenzie Davis, uh, it's Dan Levy, uh, it's the guy from the TV show Limitless who's quite hunky, uh, it's Aubrey Plaza, uh, it's uh, Allison yeah. Brie. Um, oh, <clears throat> Allison Brie's in this? Yes, it's stacked with beautiful people. Wow. Um, can I, I sleep was, with all of them? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I was in the tank for this movie for various reasons, uh, including my crushes, uh, before it arrived. And I'll be honest, it's possible that has colored my interpretation, although my wife had the same reaction I did. And I know at least one Sins team member liked this movie, so I feel bad, but this movie's not funny, man. Mm. Um, Is it supposed to be? <clears throat> it's trying to be. Yeah. Um, and it's not a Christmas movie. Like, I'm not here to debate what is and isn't a Christmas movie, but it's called Happiest Season, and it's coming out at the end of November. The only Christmas is the fact that it, it, it's Christmas time. They're going home to one girl's parents' house to celebrate Christmas. So there's a tree, and there's a Christmas party. Every single bit of this movie could have taken place in June. And (laughs) it wouldn't have impacted the story one bit. Uh, Nothing about this movie is about the Christmas spirit or any of that shit. The biggest problem is the two leads who I adore don't have chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's wild. And so uh, I don't know if it's, you know, Kristen Stewart, she's a great actress, uh, but I'm not sure traditional Christmas rom-coms straight or gay are her bag, man, because she still has that kind of, <sighs> what do you, how do you put your finger on it? Aloofness? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and then yeah. she's great at aloofness. Yeah. Um, it plays great in Charlie's Angels, uh, but it doesn't play quite as well here. And so uh, I was completely underwhelmed. I don't think it's bad. And I think this movie needs to exist for plenty of reasons. I think it's great that we have a Christmas romance movie with two lesbians that is pretty straightforward for Christmas rom-coms in terms of, I know there are plenty of people in the LGBTQ community that wish the movie had been other things um, because it is ultimately a story about one person's coming out. uh, And that Mm. is something they've seen a lot in movies. Um, And I I can only speak from my own experience, but I, I, Dan Levy was hysterical and, Mm. The the best part of the movie was every time he was on screen. Um, sadly, his character is very shoehorned into this movie and doesn't really need to be here, but he gives a great speech at the end that's very emotional. Uh, he's the best thing about the movie. If the rest of the movie had been up to his level in humor or commitment, um, I think it would have been a home run. Um, I'm glad the movie exists, and I hope that you guys who watch it enjoy it more than I did, but um, it was kind of a letdown for me. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a wreck of Warren, mostly on the Warren side, uh, but it's pretty and it has Christmas music in it. And <laughs> that may be your bag. This but. is Mackenzie Davis that uh, is hasn't come out to her family, right? And they go. Over that's to correct. Her. They are going home for Christmas, and on the way home, she informs Kristen Stewart that she has not come out to her parents yet, and there oh. are several more layers of surprises along those lines. Um, it's very standard. It's very standard beats. So you're not going to be surprised by almost anything in this movie. Uh, the dad is running for mayor and that's part of why they're trying to keep the secret from coming out and not spoiling his chances of it reminded me of uh, black sheep in that regard. <laughs> um, trying to keep these antics away so that the, 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 the relative can win a conservative office or what have you. And then by the end, maybe it's because it's a Christmas movie, but everything is tidy as fuck by the end of this movie. Like people who were definitely homophobic hours later are completely redeemed because they accept everything now. And it's just, yeah, it's very, I don't know. I respect its intentions and I'm glad it exists, but it's not for me. I'm sorry. Mm. I, uh, it, to, to, to briefly touch on that Christmas movie argument. I know that we didn't want to get into that, but like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the, I think the issue comes from when you were growing up and you heard that a movie was coming out and it was a Christmas movie, it had Christmas themes. It had, uh, something about, you know, people opening presents or there was some sort of Christmas miracle. It's, you know, these, these type of things that are happening in the movie. So whenever you said Christmas movie it was shorthand or movies like that, Santa Claus, Miracle on 34th street, it's a wonderful yes. life, all these movies. So, uh, it's become a modern day phenomenon to, uh, see that if there is Christmas in the movie, to say, ha look at what I discovered, guys. This movie is Christmas movie, too, because it's also got Christmas in it, and it was set in Christmas and everything. And it completely detracts from what that original meaning of what a Christmas movie was. Now, yep. 
I am. I'm sure that now that we're entering this this phase of uh, of uh, of life and everything, the Christmas movie is going to be defined for uh, redefined for a lot of people. And in Enemy of the State is a Christmas movie. And, <laughs> you know, um, I don't hear a lot of people. Iron Man uh, three. Iron Man three. Exactly. <laughs> Any uh, Shane Black. Yeah, script. I was about to say anything. Shane Black is a Christmas movie almost. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's where it comes from is like, I think that people who are like, ha ha, look at this, how clever this is are forgetting that the original sort of connotations of that was you say Christmas movie. And I, I conjure up images of Christmas being the, the main theme of the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, magic, the spirit of giving and Santa, um, even, uh, elf has like Christmas spirit magic at the end. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I'm not here for it. It's, I guess it's just a fun game for me. It's exactly the same as, is a hot dog, a sandwich. It's just, we it's are fucking thing. wasting our time. We are just spinning our wheels for no reason. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's another, it's another thing to sort of, uh, create uh discussion and all oh, that. And that fun. Isn't this fun talking about this? How, how diehards a Christmas movie? Not really, but not really you know. <laughs> not for me. But, not but you know, guess you got a bunch of people's juices flowing about it, whether they say yes or no about it, but uh, that's right. All right, everybody, it is time to talk about movie once again, movie! um, there's all sorts of cool shit on there again. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and I know that both Baird and I saw the, the 11 minute short from Lorgos, uh, <laughs> Yorgos Lanthimos. I was about to do the, uh, the, the, the Tatum Channing with there. Um, <laughs> see, see, <laughs> it can't be accidental. That's right. Uh, and there's a, an 11 minute movie from Yorgos Lanthimos on there called Nimic on there. And, uh, it, uh, and it's, 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 it's your typical weird, uh, uh, Lanthimos, uh, type of thing. It's really cool. Yeah. What'd you think? You, you, uh, you dug it? I dug it because it's, it's, it's that 11 minute, like we don't have to explain anything kind of weirdness. You know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't have to make sense. It just, it just has to, it just has to mess with your mind. And it stars Matt Dillon, uh, as this, uh, this guy who's like a family man and he's waking up and he's doing all the normal family stuff, making breakfast and everything. And he goes to work and all that. And then he gets on the subway. And he asked this woman the time. He's like, do you have the time? And she does. She stares at him. And then like five seconds later, she goes, do you have the time? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, we don't know if Matt Dillon is really weirded out about it actually, because he's just kind of like, mm-hmm. just stares at her. And, and then she starts following him. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. Like, what is she following him about? And then it really gets like, really gets weird after that. It does. It does. And it's, it, it, it actually reminds me a lot of Dogtooth, his first or his first big feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that's not explained, but there's a lot of Matt Dillon rarely, I think there's a few times where he gets to stretch his legs, his range, uh, with acting. Mm-hmm. And I think he does here. Uh, he's a cellist in an orchestra. Well, actually in an ensemble. And uh, it's, it's interesting because it's hard to mimic the, yep, yep. so to speak, to, to mimic the, uh, the vibrato of a viol- a stringed instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he plays the cello, if you've seen enough classical music, there's a way that they 
create that vibrato, that uh, that kind of shakiness on uh, on cello and violin and viola and stuff like that, that he does very, very well. Mm-hmm. It's very different from guitar, very different from, you know, even banjo, mandolin, that kind of thing. Uh, and the music is spectacular in mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. But the story itself is insular and fascinating. I found th- I found this really, really fun. But again, he is my kind of happy spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- let's tell people, who, and by people I mean Jeremy, let's remind them what this guy has directed. It's Lobster Guy, right? Yeah, the Lobster. <laughs> yes, lobster Guy. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, killing those Sacred Deer. Uh, the favorite is your is your the favorite is the one favorite. I've seen mm-hmm. and did not like that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure this is better. Unique, he's got a very unique style, very deadpan. Uh, lobster in particular is very. Deadpan. I really need to watch that one. That one, I think, from everything I've heard, I think I would dig that one. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. much fun! It is so much fun just to dig into that and what it means and all that. And I'm stuff. liking this. Uh, I'm liking this 11 minute idea of going to the weird place. Cause I could do that. Yeah. I think it I, was a I, movie I exclusive too. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. One of those yeah, things yeah. where the, you know, the, that's one of the cool things about movie is like, you know, you, you know, the selection of the day, a lot of times will be one of these 11 to 20 minute short films and, you know, you get that out of the way in the day and everything. And they're usually pretty good, usually interesting. And this one certainly is. And you have that kind of director behind it and everything. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned the library as well. I went to the library because I had missed on its on its uh, a, a month-long run, The Hills Have Eyes, the original Wes Craven. Uh, yeah. Original Wes Craven uh, horror movie. And, uh, and, uh, I had, I'd never seen it before. And I just really dig on these old seventies horror movies. There's something Mm -hmm. about it. There's something, uh, there's something where they, it seems like they're kind of like, uh, they're, they're, they're not polished films at all. Yeah. Uh, there's something about, there's something to that, that I have always been attracted to with those horror films and everything. And, uh, this is one of those, I mean, and, you know, it's got the bad acting and it's got, you know, all sorts of like, you know, like, Oh my God, that's terrible. But at the same time, it's scary, especially in this one. And I can't remember the remake, how that one went down. I just remember I didn't like it too much. No, no, no remake. No. Um, <laughs> um but no. this, but the, but the, uh, sort of the uh the messed up rednecks that are in the hills in this movie, they're smarter than you know than the ones that we see in most the, most of these type of horror movies. They're like actually mm. dangerously smart. Uh, in this movie, they can uh they can uh speak with you know with uh, all sorts of like bigger words and like a great vocabulary and everything like that. But they're just monsters. They're just monsters, and and that's what that's what makes them scary to me. They're not just you know, they're just not, they're not just out to just, uh, we're killing because we, because, you know, because we're monsters, but they're, they're just this way. It's just, I don't know. There's something about that, even though they look different and they have this, this way about them, they're very smart. And that's what's scary about that movie. Yeah. Those old school things. I agree with you. There's something more unnerving, original chainsaw, Texas chainsaw massacre, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It just makes it a little more, I don't know, maybe uh, realistic, quote unquote, uh, yeah. to where it's it it, it feels more tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, let me guys it, it, just real quick. Let me tell you about you mentioned the the movie of the day. Uh, movie goes through and has thirty movies on its front facing page. Uh, a new one comes out every day, 
And uh, today's, as we uh, record this on uh, December 2nd, is called Faith. Mm-hmm. It's an Italian film uh, about a, a kung fu master mm-hmm. that uh, recruits a bunch of people uh, to join his religious sect. They are both uh, self-identified as Shaolin monks and Catholic followers. Um, so it's, it's a weird disparity. It's filmed beautifully. The performances are great. It's, you could argue whether or not this is a cult in, in definition only, um, probably would be considered of it. Uh, They, they have a head of the sect called the master and he is uh, very, very interested. He's, he, he founded this uh, sect to fight demons with uh, with martial arts. And so they train and they train. And then at night they do religious prayer time and stuff like that. And the filming is beautiful. It's all in black and white. Uh, this was a journey for me. And I want to take you through my journey. The The director uh, is Valentina Pedinici, um, who was uh, who's an up and comer, really, in Italy and uh, starting in the, the film uh, circuit. It shows these, it's males and females. It shows them intimate. It shows them, you know, getting ready for training. It shows the abuse, the emotional abuse that this guy, uh, the master, inflicts upon them, presumably to get them to train harder because they're out there. They really think they're called the warriors of light. Um, and they think that they are going, they're preparing for battle. He's in a, like a, a closed off castle, right? So here's my journey for it. Watch the movie. Movie spectacular. Mm. Performances are great. Mm. Then I find out. Didn't know anything about this. Then I find out it's a documentary. <laughs> this woman infiltrated, not, not infiltrated, um, assimilated herself into this sect to where they gave her carte blanche and were was filming all of this. She had talked to somebody who had excommunicated themselves about four years earlier, but she spent three months in here getting this footage. It's a docu-fucking-mentary, hmm. and that will blow your mind. I, I wish I didn't even tell you that before you watch that <laughs> well, because it's... it looks so much like it, – it's all very much like The Vow or the other Nexium uh, documentary where they get so much footage that you're like, this has to be staged, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this is spectacular. The last thing about this is that uh, I really wanted to see what Pettinici did uh, for the rest of uh, uh, her career. Uh, Pettuccini, I should say. She died at 42 about a week and a half ago. Really? Uh, yes, from liver cancer. So this has been like a whole journey. The film is spectacular. Did not know it was a documentary. And the fact that she uh, unfortunately passed away was just like this whole emotional roller coaster for me. Yeah. That, that came from it, the film itself is an emotional roller coaster. I swear to God, you guys will get absorbed in this. Uh, but the circumstances behind it is even more uh, compelling. So I would recommend this full throated recommend hmm. uh, both the, the Yorgos Lanthimos uh, short that we saw earlier and this film Faith uh, by Valentina Pettuccini. Um, absolutely. Go to movie.com uh, slash cinemasins, M-U-B-I.com slash cinemasins. I'm telling you, you will have your mind blown 
uh, at least a few times, like I did with this experience. Um, I, I had my mind blown from that short, but I was kind of expecting to have my mind blown. And the uh, the, the the faith documentary is going to absolutely uh, blow your mind. Mubi.com slash cinemasins. You get you get for this, you go to that that URL, you get 30 days free. Free, free to 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 explore uh your 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 cinematic proclivities. And that's gonna be 30 days free. You can watch a ton of movies on movie. Uh go to movie.com slash cinemasins and you can thank us later. You can give us big air hugs over the internets, and we will accept them. I uh, was watching uh, Apple TV, and I'd, I'd seen some uh, trailers for Ted Lasso, and the the trailers Ooh. did not make me want to go watch it at all. I thought it looked like it was just trying to be a dumb comedy, um, you know, a lot of pratfalls, a lot of little things like that in it, and so I wasn't interested. But then suddenly I started seeing people on Twitter like going, hey, this show is great, and this show, and it started to build up some steam, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll give it a shot then. Uh, Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso, who is a, uh, a coach. He's a football, he's like a division two college football coach who has been asked by this, uh, you know, uh, premier league English soccer football, uh, uh, league to coach their team. And their team is like, I guess, like a middling team. They're in, they're in danger of relegation and all that type of thing. Uh, but they're, you know, they've, they've got like, uh, they've got an aging star on the team. That's not, not nearly as good as he once was. They have one guy who is on loan from another team. Who's awesome, Mm -hmm. but he's an asshole. Um, and, uh, and then a a variety of other, like, you know, these guys are pretty good, whatever, but he comes in and he's hired because the owner of the team is a new owner. It's the former wife of a uh of a guy who has who was like a well-known in the uk for being a philanderer and everything and they've just gotten a big divorce and she got the team out of it uh and she wants to kind of like in major league she wants to uh to uh ruin this team because this is her husband's baby essentially and her husband by the way is played by uh anthony head the guy from uh buffalo buffy the vampire slayer interesting i like that guy yeah um but uh and she i can't remember her name right now uh she uh was uh, maybe best known to a lot of people as the the woman who keeps saying shame behind uh lena heady in game of thrones um uh the uh uh she did a lot of that, you know, fucked up stuff in Game of Thrones, torturing Lena Headey throughout that whole run there. But uh, uh, so, she, yeah, she hires him and he has no idea, uh, of course, about anything soccer at all. Uh, he comes in with this positive attitude and this, you know, this whole like, you know, let's go get him and everything. And he's got an assistant. His assistant is hilarious. He seems the assistant seems to know even more than he does about everything. He's like really researched a lot of stuff. Um, but they're they're they know that there's not much chance of success. They they don't measure success by wins and losses and all that stuff and whatever. And that sounds really hokey, but um. This 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 series is so weirdly positive in a great way where it's not to the point where you're like, oh, my God, that's just 
that's just too nice. That's just too sickening, sickeningly nice, you know, and things like that. Uh, Ted, La- you know, Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso with this positive, upbeat attitude, and he's always positive. But yeah, you can still see some little bits of like sadness and maybe some anger and whatever popping up uh, as people keep on telling him that, you know, like, of course, he's. He's a, he's a coach that's not going to win very many games. So as soon as he goes out there and loses his first game, everybody's calling him a wanker and everybody's calling him a wanker. Like everybody's, you know, like just, just keeps on calling him that all the way through. He goes to the bar and people are like, Hey wanker. And it becomes his name almost, uh, (laughs) you know? Um, uh, so he's looking for these little positives that, you know, uh, throughout this, he knows it's, it's a long shot, but he also is trying to, to make everything good every episode is just i don't know it's just charming as hell man mm-hmm. i uh uh i would highly recommend this show if you've got apple tv and uh and uh you know it's just it's sort of find out for yourself what i mean it's very funny um Ooh. uh very funny well written sudeikis is so good in this that i was watching horrible bosses and i was like forgot that it was the same guy oh wow huh. Wow. Uh, that's how good he is in Ted Lasso. I mean, it's, you know, it's obvious it's Jason Sudeikis, right? Like, it's not like, you know, he's not a completely different person or anything. But when you watch him in Horrible Bosses, you're like, that's the same guy that's playing Ted Lasso? No, like, he doesn't make any it sense. Before. It's, he's got his thing. He's the smarmy asshole. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even if he's the protagonist, like in uh, one of my guilty pleasures is the uh, We're the Millers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with yeah, him yeah. and Jennifer Aniston, where mm-hmm. uh, do you guys like that movie? It's it's kind of yeah, fun, it's, right? It's, a, yeah. it's, it's it's fun. But he's always playing some sort of smarmy asshole, and you you love him, you love to hate him, and but you know he's just funny like that. But yeah, this sounds. I haven't heard one negative thing about this show, and it's a one eighty for his type, I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. It totally is. He it, there's not one moment where he gets into that that whole uh, thing that we know him for and all the other <laughs> movies and everything. Uh, maybe, maybe hints of it here and there, but nothing to the point that it overtakes the character. Um, you know, he's got his own thing too. Also in the, sh- in the show, he's, he's left his wife and his kid to go out here to do this. But we find out that they, they're kind of uh, on the rocks and they don't know if they're going to be able to get back together and, and everything like that. And, and uh, you know, he has to do the mature thing. But he also has to, um, you know, he has to, I, I think he, 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 you know, wants to be this uh, always positive person. So whenever he, it shows him that he's in this, in a, in a worse state, you're like, oh no, you know, like this, this is, this could like, this could really be a, a, a big moment. But, um, but yeah, Ted Lasso, really, really, really good. Uh, and I would say if you have Apple TV, go for it. Um, uh, awesome. it, it, it's, I think it's 10 episodes right now nice. so, all right, so, uh, all right. Uh, very good well, thanks we have to pull the trigger on that mm-hmm. i'm gonna get back to christmas oh let's do it season mm-hmm. and this this is a movie that we've talked about before but i don't think we've gone into any depth into it uh and it's the first time i have seen this movie all the way through office mm-hmm. christmas party oh yeah <laughs> now i've oh, seen talk about chunks of this, uh many many times and I came away from this movie uh, thinking this is the most watchable movie I've ever seen. That's not really funny. It's... I, I very rarely laughed at this, but I was amused all the way through. It's right. a very bizarre concept because 
it's it's fun and it's mm-hmm. it's 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 not good but it's but it's but it's fine but it's not hilarious as it should be especially with this cast this cast is ridiculous it is one of those rare movies that the setup is less funny by far than the end of the movie the end of the movie is much better i think than the beginning of the movie except uh, that's the when stupid, i actually she uses electricity outlets to reroute the internet oh yeah not, no i mean yeah, yeah, yeah we this is the perfect <laughs> yeah. storm all the internet is out but yeah, uh, techno nerd Olivia Munn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but besides that, like the whole time when they take TJ Miller back to Jillian Bell's uh, uh, brothel and they get into the whole like, oh man, it sucks being the boss. And then they get into the car chase and the, the whore is back in the back seat, and she's like, you can't shoot him. He's going to crash the car. And then they fucking try to jump the that was the part that I was laughing so much on. Of course, it's very Chicago. I cannot help but believe that this was not based on a a real thing of which my cousin is uh, has participated in uh, one of the most epic Christmas parties in all of Chicago uh, at an ad agency downtown, right in the same area that they were in. Uh, but uh, I I kind of love it, but I also uh just think that it's a wasted opportunity jennifer aniston plays one note kate mckinnon is the star of the show jillian bell maybe uh is up there this cast is amazing you haven't even mentioned like rob cordry and um randall park and yeah um, oh randall park is fuck okay so (laughs) i don't beatman has been mentioned uh yeah that's Uh, true i i (laughs) Agree with you. I don't think it has very many laughs, but it is very amusing. Yes. Uh, it's crazy to me how many of the jokes are so base. Yeah. Like, he's sucking an ice cock while he's drinking that shot of liquid. <laughs> or I got a picture dan- of you deep throat in that. that they're leash. dancing in fat suits. Or, <laughs> like, or, you know, it's just so one note, but there's something about it that I've probably seen it seven or eight times in parts. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's very amusing. I love that Randall Park scene when they go into the nursery and, and he keeps doing this kind of baby <laughs> cosplay thing. And Vanessa she's Bayer like, actually is, is a really good addition to this. She too. is. She is. And she's like, She's okay for a second. She's like, no, seriously, it's just a thing. He's like, no, no, okay, I'll stop. And then he says something like, can you check my diaper? And yeah, she's like, yeah, okay, there's something going here. on in my diaper. <laughs> Save that shit for the fourth date, like a normal person. <laughs> yeah. So yes, there are laughs in there, but like, oh my god, it's yeah, you're right. They're they're very basic jokes, except for when Kate McKinnon uh, can really. I think I have to imagine that some of this is improv, like when she pulls up in the van and she's like. It's a Kia. That's what God would drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and TJ Miller has that great uh, line reading too, where he's like, "Shut the fuck door." Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> TJ like Miller, uh, I I do like. Well, I tell you what, this this movie does have some sentimentality to it. Uh, it's almost like uh, to to do another Chris Farley comparison. It's almost like Tommy Boy, right? Where he's like. He's he's trying to keep all the staff together. Jennifer Aniston is his sister, and she wants to fire everybody because she's all about the bottom line. Uh, but he's like, you know, here's how we do it. And then I, I 
I would be remiss. Courtney B. Vance, after he gets blown up by cocaine, is mm-hmm. fantastic in this. Yo, he's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, yeah, especially after all this goes down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, it's 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 insanely watchable. I'm going to keep actually, watching it like probably seven or eight times. I actually I don't I don't lo- I want to like T.J. Miller just because of some of his public incidents but he's very funny in this movie when yeah. early on when they go into the bathroom and he and jason bateman are talking he's at the urinal and somebody has doodled jennifer aniston fucking him and that's his sister and he goes incest and rape that's dark and then he just goes about peeing like it's no big deal and then he's got the great follow-up when they're going into the store where he's like oh i'll tur- i'll show them they've got a picture of her fucking me i'm gonna fuck her <laughs> Maybe this movie is funnier than I gave it credit for. Bateman has a lot of good like one-liners in this movie, like because T.J. Miller spouts out some statistic in a meeting, and he's like, "Not sure where you came up with that number, but just very Jason Bateman." We've walked talked way too much about this movie, but I do love it. I get the sense that Jason Bateman is is uh, underrated and will perpetually be underrated because he's never going to be one of those uh, the you know just. comic stars that we know that just go completely bananas and everything mm-hmm. you know he's not going to be a will ferrell or a jim carrey or anybody like that but um like i was talking about you know watching horrible bosses there's a couple of line readings in that, that just just i i love I, there's nobody else that could do it like mm. jason bateman mm. uh there's the the one where they they say that you know they uh they've uh they've gone to the station and uh, Wendell Pierce is like, uh, is like you were speeding 60 miles an hour through a 25 mile an hour zone. And he's like, I was uh drag racing. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a drag racer. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he, and the uh, Ron White's like, you were doing it in a Prius. And there's this like, pause and he looks up and he's like, I, I don't win a lot. <laughs> And like I, I feel like there's so many actors who would say that line in a different way, where they would be a, a little bit too protesty about yeah, it. You know, they would yeah. be like, "I don't win a lot." You know, <laughs> that would be the the line reading most comic actors would. Do. I, I I don't win a lot. Yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> hilarious to me. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about better help. Better help. Hey, I just had a therapy session. Mm. Nice. Mm. I've been I've been on back on my weekly jam with my uh, my therapist, and I tell you what I I feel like I've gotten my head right uh, to the point where I'm looking more inward and outward. I don't want to take you all on my journey. It doesn't have really anything to do. But what what we're working on right now is balance. There's mm. there's different domains, Jeremy. I don't know if you're if you've touched on this, uh, but there's a certain balance or imbalance that I've never even thought about. Uh, and this is maybe my favorite part of this counseling service from BetterHelp is that you get the right counselor slash therapist, and they're going to bring up things that you didn't even think about. Things that sometimes you think are second nature. that like, oh yeah, I know that. I've got that handled, that kind of thing. And then they'll say, well... One of the simple questions, like, who are you? I'm like, oh, really? You're going to do, you're going to pull that? And like, who are you? What are your core values? That kind of thing. And you're like, 
I've already taken care of that. I'm an old man at this point. I'm an old man. Mm -hmm. You know, I steal things. I don't remember what I put in my pockets at Brentano's. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the the fundamental questions that that we kind of gloss over are very important to reexamine no matter what age you are, no matter what time you are in your life. And you have to look at your balance of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, uh, familial, that kind of thing, and, and take stock of it. And without counseling specifically for me from BetterHelp, I would not have thought about that. I would have uh, just compartmentalized that stuff and just said, what am I doing today? I'm writing this. I'm reviewing this. I'm doing that. I'm making dinner. I'm going to bed, that kind of thing. Uh, If you dig deeper, you're going to find more satisfaction as the therapeutic process uh, goes forward. And uh, Jeremy, have you experienced that kind of thing? Um, Yes. Uh, Not probably in the same terminology. I'm guessing it's a lot like NFL uh, play calling systems. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. The core is the same, but everybody uses different terminology. Yeah. and, uh, you know, what I would just say to those of you, this is, you know, we've said this so many times, you know, it's a pandemic, it's a scary time, people are losing their jobs, people are being evicted, people are getting sick, it's a very anxious, anxious time, and it's hopefully making you more interested in therapy than ever before, but I implore you not to waste your own time with therapy, um, and by that I mean be honest, Um I know a lot of people, myself included, who have wasted months in therapy just not telling the therapist the truth because right, I wasn't right. really ready to deal with it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the worst where it's like, I really want to get into this, but then I really got to get real. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying uh, you do more work in therapy uh, and you grow more as a person, uh, the more honest you are with yourself. And with your therapist, uh, it's the same as with a doctor. You know, if you think you have a heart problem, but you're scared to find out you do. So you go to the doctor and complain about a elbow pain. You're <laughs> not going to, you know what I mean? That's not yeah. going to help you. Um, and so, you know, do yourself a favor. Don't waste the therapist's time, obviously. But, you know, at the same time, you are paying for this service. Um, so make good use of it by being honest. This is the time and you can make huge leaps and how to deal and cope with that anxiety and that depression that's choking you out. That's a great point. It's like the Dr. House thing. Everybody lies, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. even in life-threatening situations, which, you know, they certainly happen all the time. Yeah. Uh, to, to get to the heart of the diagnosis, he has to assume that everybody lies. And uh, as a former therapist, I kind of had that mentality, too. Like, until you break through that or until the, the patient is ready to break through. With that's that. true. Uh, yeah. that, uh, that you're just going to kind of treat what, what we can see right now. And then we start digging down. And I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Uh, help. Listen, uh, Jeremy mentioned the, uh, the pandemic and our current situation and everything. Things are looking a little bit brighter, which I'm very much looking forward to <laughs> with vaccinations and things like that. But at this point, uh, better help is really, a great service. You can do it from the comfort of your own home, on your computer, on your tablet, on your phone. Um, there's a chat option. There's a, uh, a, a video option. Uh, you can communicate on your counseling room. You get set up with a matched counselor. They've got so many 
people signing up, that they're recruiting more licensed counselors. Um, if you go to betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash syncast, you get 10% off your first month. Uh, and that is certainly not nothing. Uh, you can uh, use that to really start off your whole journey. Um, and if you have problems with payment, let them know. They've got services for them. The, the fact that you can schedule things, the fact that you can communicate easily, the fact that you can uh, see your, your uh, counselor really as much as you need to, uh, and you get matched with somebody who matches your needs, this, this service is spectacular. I've, you've heard us talk about it before, but we're going to keep on talking about it because if, you're, if you've waited this long to say like, maybe I should do this, do it now. Betterhelp.com slash Sencast. Go ahead. Go ahead with your bad self. Oh, is it my turn again? It is. All right. So I'm going to go with uh, <clears throat> a documentary I saw on HBO called Transhood. Okay. And um, this is a documentary that follows uh, four uh, trans individuals from a young age. Um, I believe one is five, one is eight or nine, one is 13, and one is 15. Hmm. Uh, the conceit of the documentary is that it follows these individuals for five years. Um, <clears throat> so you get to see them grow uh, and change as individuals um, through a five-year journey. Um, <clears throat> and so the oldest one, I'm going to forget the names and mess it up, and I'm sure I'm going to mess up the pronouns. Uh, but um, the oldest is transitioning to a female and is looking into uh, confirmation surgery by the end of the document documentary and wants to be a model. Um, <clears throat> and her story is very fascinating. She has a super dad um, mm. who just is 100% behind her. Um, <clears throat> the next youngest is transitioning to male, um, and he has a super mom who is super supportive and loving does seem to push him a little bit to come out just because she seems afraid that he'll be hurt by friends in the future. If they find out like by the end of the documentary, he's looking at college and she's saying you should maybe tell your roommates. Um, <clears throat> uh, the next youngest one before that uh, is transitioning to female um, and becomes somewhat of a celebrity, um, even though uh, she's like nine years old. She ends up on the cover of National Geographic, going to conventions, writes a book. Um, wow. And what's interesting about her journey is by the end, she she's done. She wants none of it. And she's yeah. already famous in the trans community. Uh, like even the day the National Geographic photographer shows up to take her picture for the cover, she doesn't want to do it. Hmm. She's And she even tells the camera by the end, it's all heartbreaking but she says i don't want to be known for being trans i mm -hmm. want to be known for being me i want to be mm -hmm. known for being fun the next youngest below hers transitioning to female <clears throat> but by the end of the documentary has changed uh his mind and decided he's a boy um hmm. and the parents have divorced because the dad wanted to keep supporting the trans stuff and the mom by the end of the documentary says it's a mental illness Hmm. And that's when something I hate in documentaries happens. And the, the director speaks off camera 
um, and inserts herself into the film uh, to say that's a pretty big change from how you felt five years ago, which I don't really even feel was necessary to lead her to that. Uh, the audience can get that. Uh, <clears throat> so ultimately, here's what I'm going to say. It's a wreck of Warren because I think it's a topic that we all need to learn more about. And that was what I was drawn to in watching it. Um, but there's not a lot of new ground covered here uh, in terms of you know a lot of doctor's visits about gender confirmation surgery um, <clears throat> with concerned parents. And I've seen that in a few documentaries and shows, which is not to say it's not, you know, we need more representation for this kind of thing. Uh, but it's just not a very well-made documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an interesting topic, and I think the subjects it, it shows were interesting. Um, and I especially think it's interesting to note, um, like, how young a couple of these people decided, I'm not my birth gender, I'm the opposite gender. Um, and I, I, I don't have kids. I don't know what I would do in that situation, especially if they were five years old. I think that's the most complicated one is that the, the dad was like, yeah, I'm just trying to love my kid and mm. do whatever they need. And, you know, if it's, you know, to be trans or to not be trans anymore, I, I want to be whatever they need me to be. But it still seems like such a hard journey because they had they had two other kids uh, who were not trans, who were at times feeling neglected fascinating topic uh, ultimately not a very well-made documentary in my view uh, so it's a wreck of war uh, if it interests you from what i've said i think you'll get something out of it yeah I, I, w- I want to check this out even if it's not really well made because that is a fascinating thing plus i'm very interested in this longitudinal type of documentary did you guys ever see the seven up series the seven up 14 up 21 i saw a couple of them a long time ago i've never seen them i've always wanted to but i I have never seen them fascinating by the time i watched it back in probably 1995 it was 35 up Mm -hmm. um and And so i watched all the way to 63 yeah 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 which is which is amazing but uh yeah the the seven up and the 14 up uh, I forget. The, it's a French director uh, that did it. Um, well, originally, I believe uh, Michael Apted was on. Was oh, the was that it? On these, um, uh, it might be somebody new now. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. You're right, Michael Apted. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that kind of thing in Boyhood we've talked about before. I think it's just absolutely fascinating to see how a singular person, or in this case, a group of of people change especially from almost infancy or childhood all the way up into adolescence to adulthood and uh even five years is going to be was well, so it the 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 youngest one went from five to ten jeremy is that how this goes uh yes okay <clears throat> and the the oldest went from 15 to 20 so that that's i mean think about our childhoods or our adolescence from 15 to 20 how, how much, much you changed. changed yeah and then you throw in uh trying to tell the world that your your identity has changed um even though you felt this th- your entire life that's got to be just uh kind of mind altering and I, i'm going to check this out yeah and again you know we're i should say I, I may have misgendered in talking about some of them like i don't know if what their preferred pronouns were i may have said she when they preferred mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. And we have, you know, Elliot Page came out as trans yesterday as we record this. Um, 
uh, actor from Juno, and we've had, you know, conversations internally about well, how is the best way to talk about this with, you know, while being sensitive, um, you know, and I think we're just in an age where there's, there's going to have to be some grace mm-hmm. for people who have 40 years ingrained speech patterns and muscle memory in their brain for certain ways to just, you know, we're so, we're so used to just assigning gender to people as soon as we see them. Uh, and that's changing and that's going to change and we want to change with it. So anyone that is familiar with this documentary or is trans or sensitive to pronouns, if I did misgender anybody uh, or, or speak flippantly there, I do apologize. It's something that I, I want to be good at and get better at. So. I go along with the the Patton Oswalt thing where he he had a, a bit I don't know how many years ago he did this but you know he's like who's the asshole in this situation so like the the first person was like was like like trying to say the right thing and trying but he wasn't getting the right you know the right words and right verbiage out and everything he was just you know like you know I don't know I, I think it's okay I just uh, you know uh, blah 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 saying that kind of thing. And then the other person knew all the terms, but was saying it, saying a bunch of stuff that was just like absolutely just crushingly wrong at the same time mm. while he was saying the proper terms. And he's like, which one's the asshole in this situation? Right? Like the person mm. who, who is, uh, who's, uh, who's, who's saying this stuff, but not being very sensitive about it, you know, to me. Uh, so yeah, I think for a lot of us, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a learning experience. You have to kind of figure out, you know, what people prefer and you, and, and I think the, I think there were, you know, that's sort of the, 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 the bind we're in, I think a lot of times. So I think uh, from what I could hear, you seem to say everything right there, but yeah, you're right. You could have, you could have, they could have preferred a different pronoun there. I do uh, like, uh, and uh, Jeremy, I'll cut this if you want me to, cause it's internal. But uh, when we were discussing this, you mentioned that, you know, our kids or our kids' kids uh, would eventually accept this as just, you know, a, a normal nomenclature where the, the, the speech patterns of they, them, he, she, uh, that kind of thing will become normalized uh, mm-hmm. for trans people. And I think that's very, very important. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because something like, you know, to, to take it back to pop culture, euphoria which is mm. very, very casual about uh, Hunter, I forget uh, her last Schaefer. name. Schaefer. Hunter Schaefer, uh, who's a, a, a trans uh, woman or girl at this point. Um, and it's not a big deal. It's not a big fucking deal. She uh, she does things sexually that are probably not good for her, but then she also has this relationship with Zenyatta. 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 Zendaya, Jesus fuck, <laughs> like a brain fart there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zendaya's character, where uh, you know it's completely normalized. They have a, a budding romance, just like you would see in you know a John Hughes movie from uh, mm-hmm. the nineteen eighties. And mm-hmm. once that does get normalized, I think that's very very cool. But yes, for us and and for for our generation, it's it's a transition. Not to be glib about the word. Uh, sure. and, uh, and I, I, I like working on that. I like yeah. saying, thinking about that saying, you know, let's all try to do this correctly or as, as correctly as we can get. Yeah. There are, there it's just new habits can be learned, uh, at any age. 
And uh, my hope is that the children of the, this generation are their habits that they're forming as kids are already including uh, trans preferred pronouns and, and veering away from, you know, a gender skewed perspective of the world. Mm. All right. Um, I am also in on the documentary front here. I haven't Ooh. seen the entire series yet because they haven't uh, made all, they haven't shown all the episodes yet, but uh, there's one on Showtime called the Reagans. Um, oh, on right now uh growing up in a 1980s conservative household ronald reagan was the shit man yeah he was <laughs> you had an alex p keaton type of fascination with <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. ronald reagan every time he was on tv you're like man that is a fucking president right there <laughs> and you never saw anything bad about ronald reagan nothing and I even, even, even like today, if I see somebody saying something about Reagan, I'm like, but I remember him being so good and cool. <laughs> you know, there was a, there was a uh, Saturday Night Live uh, rerun I saw, and uh, it was uh, Rosanna Arquette was the host uh, on the on this uh, Saturday Night Live, and she's like on her monologue, she's like. I don't know if you guys know or not, but there is a president right now who is just ruining the country. And I was like, how was he ruining the country in the eighties? I don't get it. <laughs> it. Don't make any sense. Um, so watching this documentary now, I, I I'm, I'm older and wiser now. I mean, I know that there, there were, I, I don't know to the extent how much he's, he fucked up a lot of shit. But this documentary is clearly uh, like, uh, you know, uh, explaining uh, uh, everything. And it, uh, you know, the first episode talks about his rise through, uh, you know, a Hollywood actor. And uh, and uh, he was, uh, I believe, the president of the union at the time of actors back in the day. And mm. he even uh, was called in that, uh, in the McCarthy hearings and everything. And he very artfully somehow dodged the question, which is something that Reagan is going to be very popular, like very good with when he becomes president. Uh, but artfully dodged it to where he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't know of anybody who's doing any, so like communist activities around here. Not, not, not that I know of, you know, that type of thing. Um, basically saying there might be, but I, I didn't see it, you mm-hmm. know, that type of thing. Uh, but the first episode is through his humble beginnings and all that. And like his, uh, you know, his first marriage to Jane Wyman and then on to Nancy. And, and then like, um, uh, then it's, it sort of ends, I believe on his, uh, California governor run and everything. And then the second episode starts getting into his, uh, his, uh, you know, actual run in the 1980, uh, presidential election and everything. But, there were some things that just popped up uh, in there that like, you know, that really made me go, wow, I did not realize all of this, all of this had been going on at the time. Um, and, uh, and he's, he's, there's tapes of him with uh, Nixon uh, saying the N word. Well, I don't know if he says the N word. He says, he says some very racist things wow. uh, uh, to Nixon uh, uh, on this one thing. And it's just, you know, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that came out of Ronald Reagan's mouth. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, of course it did. Cause they knew all along, but not me. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and it was, and, he 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 went from this uh 
this person who was like, you know, a, a president of a union to becoming uh, president of the United States where he was breaking down unions and he was doing this trickle down economics thing where like, you know, there's this idea that if we give rich people more money, they'll, they'll redistribute the wealth all over the place because that's what they do. Right. They spend a lot of yeah. things, they spend yeah. a lot of money on people and people will get the money eventually by they'll hire more people and they'll, you know, that there's this idea that if you get, you know, like if you to give them tax breaks and everything, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be, uh, perfect uh, uh, that way. And of course it's been long, long, you know, uh, refuted uh, that trickle down economics doesn't work. But uh, anyway, if you want to get uh, a more, a, a more complete character of Reagan and everything, I think this is a fascinating thing that they're doing. I don't know how many episodes there's going to be of the series. I just, uh, just heard about it and decided to start Four. watching it. <clears throat> Four total. Four total. So then it's uh, 75% of the way through. That's disappointing, actually. I thought there would, I thought there would be some, somewhere around eight or nine on this because... Uh, my Google said four, but I, you know, I could have misgoogled. I'll tell you what, no, no, I no, no. You didn't misgoogle. On this because like you, conservative household, Reagan was a god, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've, I've heard enough over the years that uh, there, was, there was not only uh, policy... Uh, issues, uh, but also that the man himself was not uh, who he purported to be. There is a, a speaking of Saturday Night Live. There's a great skit with I believe Phil Hartman is playing Reagan, That's, and that makes sense. he is the bumbling like just hey you know talking to the kids that come into the Oval Office. How are you doing? You know, wait, do you want a lollipop? Okay, get out of there. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like the secret wall opens, and he brings out like this risk board, and he's like, "All right, kids." Here's what we're going to do. We're going to nuke <laughs> the Ukraine and then we're going to move in over here. We're going to do this. And then like another kid comes in. And he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Go see Nancy. And then he goes back and he's like this, this brilliant strategist. But yeah, uh, he is. Uh, I think it, because it was a, uh, a time that before the Internet, obviously, and before people were so hypercritical and so polarized that people lionized him if there were another mount rushmore i feel like reagan would be on there without much controversy mm-hmm. uh, i think people would would say yeah he was uh he was good enough for the entire country you know he got two terms that kind of thing mount uh, rushmore would never happen today. i agree we would I never agree. be able to agree on anyone i agree <laughs> but i think he would be uh, a shoe-in from the recent presidents one of the only shoe-ins well he was just I was just going to say he was just a great, a great orator. Uh, like, what is the great communicator was his thing, right? We've, we've always had, you know, we've always had presidents here and there that were, that were great speakers. JFK was a great speaker. Reagan was a great speaker. Uh, Bill Clinton was an amazing speaker. Obama. Yeah. Uh, Barack Obama's a great speaker. Um, but Donald that Trump. <laughs> covers up a multitude of sins, man, when you can be that good of a public speaker, um, <clears throat> you can win people's hearts, man. And uh, that's, that's what got him through was not necessarily his policies. Um, <clears throat> but I think if you pulled Twitter today about Reagan, but Twitter specifically, it would be like, God, there would be a lot of vitriol. A lot of people that that just call him and George Bush war criminals casually, like the like 
like they know more than I do. And I realized we went to war. Wow, I'm veering off the rails. I realized <laughs> we went to war in, in the Middle East on flimsy evidence after 9-11. Uh, but I don't know. Do we just call former presidents war criminals then? Because all, every single one of them bombed somebody, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's yeah. that line in The Godfather where Kay is like, you know, senators and presidents don't have people killed. And Michael's like, ah, now who's being naive, Kay? Yeah. <laughs> now, the, uh, the, um, that's uh, one thing that they, they show is like some of the, the absolute, uh, ridiculous, um, uh, things that they did where they would have, uh, one of the things in the third episode that was just like, God, I, I didn't realize this was happening was they, you know, there was a one thing where, uh, where Reagan, uh, basically, um, uh, sent out the message that all these, uh, was it the, the air traffic controllers, the strike that was an air traffic controller strike or whatever, or something mm. like that going on. And, uh, and he said something like, if you don't guy, if you guys don't return to work, you guys are just going to be fired and that's it. And they ended up all getting fired uh um because uh you know he and it showed that he had this strength or whatever and they even got his uh old secretary of state jim baker who i didn't know was so oh, yeah wow and he was like and he was like he's like he just fired those guys man that was great is what he says wow. and uh and he like jim baker is still in love with ronald reagan i mean that, there's no doubt about it um but like the there was a point where his message about like homelessness was that people wanted to be homeless and that they, they didn't want to do things. They were all lazy and all this type of thing. And he would, he, and so homelessness skyrocketed and everything. And then there would be stuff like where, where, you know, you know, there was the, the economy was bad and they were, they decided to give everybody a tax break, but they were about the the government was about to run out of money basically. Yeah. But then Nancy Reagan goes in and like refurbishes the White House and the second and third floors. Uh, after all this other stuff, like the, the the whole thing with the you know people are hurting and everything, they show like like a dinner that they had for Mubarak, where there's like she ordered all this China, this new China and it's everything for that dinner. Shit. <laughs> right. Uh, so like, you know, there, there's a lot of this, this, that type of stuff going on where you're like, Oh yeah. I mean, it was pretty obvious now that you think about it, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, at the time you're like, Oh, isn't that nice? Like, I mean, of course I was, I mean, I wasn't really old enough to know like who Reagan <laughs> really was over policy. <laughs> no, no. You just, you, anytime you just saw him, you're like, that's a great president. We're living in a great, if you watch the movies back in the eighties, man, like there were so many things about how people are so wealthy and so, you know, everything, their lives are so great and everything. Like that's what it, a lot of these eighties movies were about. It seemed like, you know, Everybody's what a doing great, cocaine. yeah, what a great time we live in. So anyway, uh, the Reagan's is a, uh, is a good uh, thing going on. And I guess it's only got four episodes. So one more to go for me. I'm going to watch that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, I did finish a series and mm. this is a, re- a, re- a redux. It's a, it's a reprise. It's a, it's a retread. Uh, I mentioned HBO's the undoing, uh, mm-hmm. episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So that shit just, uh, finished up. It just finished up uh, yeah. as we as we uh, record this last Sunday, Sunday. The, uh, so I mentioned that I that I, it was I, I called it a wreck of what uh, mm-hmm. before, 
because I didn't know what direction uh, it was going. At that point, excuse me. At that point, I think it was the third, fourth episode or so. And I was like, ooh, this is intriguing. Rich people getting getting charged with murder, and then the wife, and then the kid, and then the Donald Sutherland, and then the the mm-hmm. Lily, Lily Rob, and then now we're starting into the the legal stuff. And I uh, saw the last episode, and this series pissed me off so fucking much. Oh, I don't know. I just want to. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to urinate on this series, right? But it's not a full warn because everything leading up to that was pretty and well shot. And Nicole Kidman has coats and and she's beautiful. And Donald Sutherland gives a great performance. Hugh Grant gives a great performance. The kid who's British. Everybody's weird accents everywhere. Everybody's British, but playing American or Australian playing American and trying to do American accents. Suddenly they forgot how to do an American accent, except for Hugh Grant, who's uh, still British as fuck. Um, Mm -hmm. but this last episode wrapped up the mystery, uh, in, in a, in, in a way, in a way that, uh, I did not appreciate. Mm. Um, what it proved to me at the end of this is that this series had no idea what it wanted to be. It, it, at times it was a legal courtroom drama. At times it was a whodunit. At times it was a fantasy type of thing. At, at times, it was an investigation. Um, at times, it was a love story uh, and it, 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 a power struggle and rich versus poor and stuff like that. And none of that shit got resolved. None of it got resolved. And it, it, I've, I've never seen something so unsatisfying, maybe since Lost, the finale of Lost. Uh, was I so unsatisfied with the ending of a series that almost invalidated the entirety of the previous episodes? I'm never going to watch this again. This is not going to be a Watchmen thing or anything where I, where I go back to it and say like, oh, I want to dig into that. No, there's nothing to be said here. And what really pisses me off is that you read articles about this and Hugh Grant's like, yeah, yeah. That was my jam. I nailed that shit. I, I, I totally played that character exactly how I wanted to play. And, and Nicole Kidman's on there saying like, yeah, this, this series really dives into the psyche of the human mind and, and this thing. And like, it really explores these themes and stuff like that. And fuck that, man. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. David E. Kelly's out there saying like, oh, this is important stuff. It didn't. It, no, it said nothing. It said nothing. And it pissed me off. And if you've started watching it, just abandon ship, jump off the ship and, and run to the hills because it's that stinks. It's pretty to look at, but it stinks. It's, it's, what are you going to expect though, from the actors who, who make a show like this? Right. I mean, they're, they're never going to say that they didn't nail it or they didn't, you know, (laughs) that was a real piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, they will, but it'll be like 15 years later or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at the uh, IMDb scores for all the episodes, it is the the last one is the lowest rated one of that bunch. So uh, I think know. a lot of people are probably feeling the same way you are. You know what? What it reminds me of it's another HBO series, The Night of, felt oh, yeah. like that for me. Uh, where it had this intriguing mystery and everything. And then, like, as it got further into the series, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. It became about <laughs> vagina drugs. It did become about what? vagina drugs. Mm-hmm. It really what? did. Yeah, we're not yeah. joking. Oh, no, I never no saw joke it. there. 
vagina. Um, oh, you put them up there? Yeah. Oh. You put them up there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it's been canceled, if that's any consolation to you. Uh, they're not gonna, they were originally planning to make this like a recurring series. They've canceled it. Um, the undoing. I and don't also, even know how you do that. I mean, the I, finale I, was the highest watched HBO show since the finale of Big Little Lies, which was yeah. huge. Damn. So you people ever, were you ever all had, over this shit. Yeah. Well, you ever gotten a hand job or a blow job or, or had sex and you're like, man, I'm really about to like spray like a fire hose all over this place. And then yes. like, it goes pink, pink, like a couple of drops. <laughs> That's what this show is. <laughs> That's never happened to me. <clears throat> yeah. You must have started thinking about baseball or some shit around the time yeah. that you were about to like, explode. Oh, oh, it's going to happen. And then you're like, then you're like, oh, Mark McGuire. <laughs> um, um, so uh, I, I've been, I've been told Mark that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of all the people to pick. Oh, it um, really makes me limp. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you've ever seen him with a shirt off, ugh. yeah. No um. Any, <laughs> anyway, um, I've been told that uh, you know when we do these things, a lot of times people want to know, sort of get a reminder of what we went over, recommended, and warned, and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to probably start doing that a little bit more. Um. So so Jeremy, he he did uh, happiest season. He reco warned that. And you also wreck a warn the HBO documentary series Transhood mm-hmm. um, uh, on that. I recommended uh, Ted Lasso on Apple TV and recommended The Reagans, which is on Showtime. And Barrett, uh, you did wreck uh, a warn of Office Christmas Party, and you're still wreck a warning the undoing on Barely. HBO. It's more warn a wreck. <laughs> Warn erection. Oh, there it went. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I figured I'd just uh, go back over those. We'll do that yeah, more good often. Call. I like that. <clears throat> we'll do that more often. So uh, yeah, this is gonna be the this is gonna be at the end of the episode. I think. Yeah, I think so. We got a, we got a decent amount of chunks. We we chunks we, we, we didn't we did it we did enough filler to get that two hours. It's pretty awesome. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. Uh, we're also on uh, SoundCloud and on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, you can go to the Reddit page and find a link on the right side, or you can private message me on Facebook, and I will give you a link to Discord there. That's going to do it uh, for this episode. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Can you stay up all night? Fuck me to the daylight. You know what? You know what? Uh, that new Ariana Grande uh, song makes me is uh, exhausted. Yeah, I have no. As as much as I love Ariana, 
I ain't, I ain't got it. I ain't got it anymore. Just stay up all night and fuck her to the daylight. Yeah, yeah. I'm up all night to have fun. <clears throat> um, yeah, dude. I mean, as nice as it might be to have a really hot twenty-something, early thirty-something girlfriend who wants yeah. to have sex all the time, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep no. up. No, my girl like, wants to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. Yeah, it's the Eddie Murphy greatness. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know what happens in this? Have you guys seen this video or uh, listened to the song? I have not. The thirty-four, thirty-five. Nope. Yes, only to confirm that you were right about it being all about fucking. Yeah, I have. Well, yeah, yeah. She. Well, it's funny because. Uh, you know, she's like, fuck me to the daylight. It's not like any subtlety whatsoever. But at the end of the song, <laughs> at the end of the song, because 34 plus 35 is 69. And uh, at the end of the song, I swear to God, she goes, it means I want a 69 with you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. It means she wants to 69 with you. Okay. And it's All like, right. she that's a line. Like at the end of the song, it's like, means I want a 69 with you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got that. You How know what it reminded sh- me of? Is is in the uh, the butthole song, uh, the uh, and it's in the sins uh, video actually. Uh, when uh, Rose Byrne is doing her thing at uh, get him to the Greek, where she's like ring around the rosies, a pocket full of po. She wants to to have butt sex, mm-hmm. and like uh, and at the end of it, she's like and by posy by posy, I'm talking about my asshole, and. Uh. It's 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 just that obvious. She's like, I want a sixty nine with you. How did Ariana get hornier than five years ago? Haley Steinfeld. Well, I don't Haley know. Steinfeld just wanted to fuck herself, man, mm-hmm. and I don't blame her. I would want to fuck me, if I... yeah, <laughs> but that's still pretty horny. I don't know. Ariana, hasn't, hasn't Ariana Grande always been pretty horny? I don't think so. Listen, I want to talk about something real quick. Have you seen this? Uh, Commercial for Match.com that Ryan Reynolds wrote that Taylor Swift's new recording of Love Story. I, did. I haven't seen okay. it. First of all, that was hilarious. Um, but I want to talk about this Taylor Swift thing. Uh, Barrett. Yes. Has anyone ever done this? Re-recorded their entire first like catalog? Is this nope. unprecedented? Yes. As far as I can tell, I mean, there may be some indie artist or something like that that did it. But uh, as far as to this extent... Their entire catalog? I've yeah. never never even heard of this. Okay, so here's my prediction. Here's my prediction. <clears throat> She's going to give it away to her fans. At most, I think, if you bought the previous albums, you get these for free. I don't think she's going to charge much or anything for them. Because I think she wants to prove it was never about the money. You got a point, because... I mean, it's like Walter White, right? Like, when is enough? Does she have enough money? Uh, but she would make a fucking mint off of the re-release of this. And I guess if she wants to... Now, dude is already... Scooter has already resold these records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. She's not and those people wanted to work with her, but yeah. Scooter said that no, that was a contingency in the contract. Yeah. And so she's not... She, not anything asshole. she does is not going to screw Scooter any further. She can't stick it to Scooter by making... $200 billion by Besides selling. devaluing the originals, though. Right, but does she want to do that so bad anymore now that he doesn't have them? I, he's still making money off of it, though. That was the contingency in that contract when he sold him, that he would still get okay. a, a, a percentage of that. That's why she well, refused to work with that new company. Maybe my prediction is too strong. She's going to do something unprecedentedly cool. 
in well, the release of this I music. Would, I would love that. And if you listen to that love story song in that devil ad for yeah. Match, uh, it sounds different. And it sounds, to me, and better. It sounds the same but different. And she's not going to have that little girl voice anymore. Yeah, yeah. I could, I, I could dig on her current voice doing those yeah. exact same songs. Yeah. And she's even said this. She's like... I've grown as a singer, obviously. I was 15 years old when I recorded Fearless or Red or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, or Speak Now, I guess, is her first one. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I dig her voice now. Uh, I dig her mentality now. And I bet she could bring a little extra funk, a little maybe, extra stank not all to, those, to those old ones. She's going to give away one, maybe two of these albums for free. I mean, I could dig it. You, you're, you're probably not wrong. She she's the type of artist that would do that, I think. Yes, yes. Unlike Kanye, even if it's only to be magnanimous, you know, to be viewed as magnanimous, which I think there's a little bit of in her works. There's a lot of good stuff, but then there's a little bit of artifice. But you have to to be Taylor Swift. I mean, once right? you get to that size of a star, you could say that about anyone. Like, oh, George Clooney gave 14 of his friends a million dollars. That was a big story like a week and a half ago, right? I'm like, big fucking whoop. He's got billions. He just sold a tequila <laughs> company for $50 billion. Like, Are you serious? Yes. Jesus. Um, all the all the actors are getting into alcohol and then selling them off. <clears throat> getting it. <laughs> getting, but they're following, I need to get into alcohol. <laughs> but they're following Kenny Chesney, who's following Francis Ford Coppola. Mm. Coppola. What is uh, Chesney's thing? What? What is Chesney's thing? Wasn't Kenny Chesney the one that does the Blue Chair Bay rum? Because he was working with... He is. Yeah. So he owns that rum, went out on tour, and that was the only rum in the bar on tour. And by the end of his tour, which was for five to ten years, the number one attended and selling tour in America... That rum was known across the whole country, and it now makes him more money than his best-selling tour. Oh, that's I had no idea about that. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds bought Aviation yeah, I know Gym, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. put his face on it for a year, and then turned around and sold his stake for like three times as much as he put in. Uh, Did he sell it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm sure that that, um, uh, that uh, tequila they were selling on Entourage ended up being a big thing, too. Um, because yeah. they had... Yeah, even on... Yeah, because they had a whole bunch of uh, actors behind that, you know, when they would ever advertise. I think Aaron Paul was on the ad. Denia Ramirez, a mm-hmm. lot of these people were on there on those ads. What was that called? That te- that tequila on Entourage. I don't remember. Oh, Clooney's? No, the one on Entourage. Oh, uh, Avi Avion uh, Avion 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 is what it is. Avion. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. good um, memory. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, the the thing with uh, Taylor Swift is that 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 situation she w- she was in was common. Like nobody has ever thought that that was a a bad thing before. That somebody else would own the the music that she made or anything like that. That's that's always right. That's a, that's something that's always been. It's always happened. But she's the one who first made a big huge stink about it, and then decided, all right, I'm going to record them all again. In part. I mean, on, in no small part because of who it was that, that had bought them. Because yeah, I think that's a big Buter deal. Braun had that's specifically joined Justin Bieber in mocking Taylor a couple of times publicly. Um, and 
I think it was personal. No, it had to be. I mean, that was the reason that she refused to work with this new company is that she said, I, I can't fathom, even though I like you guys, because they reached out to her first. She was like, I like you guys, but if this dude is getting any part of my music, can't do it. And so, yeah, she uh, she hates us, dude, and he seems like a butthole. He seems like yeah. a butthole. I mean, I don't know, know him personally, but uh, probably a butthole. If I had to pick which be- between him and Taylor, who's the butthole? That's a pretty easy pick. I tell you what, uh, what sucks though is, uh, and and God bless her, she's gorgeous, and I love her, but I don't know what's happening with her hair these days. Have you seen the hair with like Ta- the permy permy bangs? Taylor Swift. Yeah. Permy bangs. Permy bangs. It's I haven't uh, seen it. It's a weird look. It's a weird look seen it. for her. Mm. Um, bangs. No I'm idea. not a big bangs fan. I'm not a big perm fan. My mom used to go get a perm. This is like in the 80s. And I don't know if this was the look, but she would just come home and look like she stuck her finger in a light socket. <laughs> yeah. Mine did too. It's like, why would you, why do you want this? Why is this something that you want? I mean, with all things, it's not like it's going to be permanent or anything. Hey oh. Oh nice. Da, 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 da. Hey, he's a good boy. You remember that X Files uh episode uh with the uh the backwoods uh rednecks? Was that the one that they this? uh they didn't play? Uh they they had to ban or whatever? I think so, yeah, right? Because I saw it live, man. And that that episode was fucked up, man. Mm. It was the two brothers that were like all fucked up from the incest. And then they were, and then they kept the mom under the bed, but she was like all, she didn't have arms or legs or anything. Mm -hmm. And when Mulder pulled her out, she was like, I haven't seen anyone since the war of the Northern aggression. (laughs) (laughs) And she kept saying like, they're such good boys. And it freaked me the fuck out, man. It was awesome. Yeah, I never, I didn't, I didn't see it live. I didn't. I mean, X Files was weird. I, I don't think I watched it religiously. Um, but there was a point, did you not? No, there was a period of time where I started watching it because it was part of that Sunday block with Simpsons and everything. Yeah. Uh, there was a period of time that I did, but I think it was after that episode aired, like in the earlier part, um, mm. in the earlier part of the nineties. Uh, cause that was what, I, I don't know, season two, season three, somewhere around there. Somewhere. Yeah. Season three probably. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't even know about it until they, uh, came out with, I don't know what, I don't know what happened with X-Files, but they said, you know, and they're going to be able to play that redneck one that they haven't been able to play forever <laughs> because of, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it got banned because it was insensitive or if it was because it was so sick or what. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what would have <sighs> looked that one up. Caught that. Were you a big x file You were a big X-Files guy, Jeremy, right? Um, for a time. Yeah, uh, I didn't start in the beginning. I think I started around season two or three, and I didn't watch all the way to the end. But I didn't watch I, I, the the last two seasons after uh, Duchovny left. I, didn't I was really pretty watch. into it. Well, I think I I stopped watching before Duchovny um, stopped participating. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it just it, it was kind of. I feel like if Lost had gone on for 
nine or 10 seasons, I would have given up on that shit too. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but while I watched it, I was really fucking into it. Uh, but I only ever, unlike lost, I, I've, I have never seen X-Files episodes. I've never gone back through the, the, the series. I only saw them as I watched the show. Same as like 24. I've never seen those episodes twice. Yeah. 24 is a, is a weird one where I think I would probably enjoy going back and watching that. But when you, when you, kind of figure out the beats to everything. Yeah. <laughs> like there's going to yeah. be a torture scene. He's going to say, where, <laughs> let me see your hands. Damn there's it. not enough time. Damn it. The um, <laughs> son of a bitch. The, uh, it came in season four, episode two. Uh, the, the uh, episode is called home. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it says home originally aired on the Fox network on October 11th, 1996. It had a Nielsen rating of 11.9 with a 21 share, meaning that roughly 11.9% television equipped households and 21% of households watched television were tuned into the episode. It was watched by approximately 18.85 million viewers, which by the way, I think that would be like number one uh, these yeah. days. Cause like, uh, for sure. Yeah, cause, for sure. Cause like big bang theory was, li- was number one for a long time and it was getting like nine or 10 million or something like that. Uh, home was the first X-Files episode to have a viewer discretion warning for graphic content. And the only one to have carried a TVMA rating upon broadcast with the opening scene being cited in particular due to its gruesomeness and its similarity to stock horror film conventions. The only other instance of an episode of the X-Files earning a viewer discretion warning was in season eight episode via negativa. Owing to that content, the network would not repeat, repeat the episode. The only time in the history of the series that this happened in 1997, when the channel FX ran an all day marathon of the most popular X-Files episodes, home was the number one choice. Nice. Nice. It's so good. (laughs) No, that first scene I believe involves her, uh, delivering a baby. Oh, and they may have killed the baby. I don't, it's been a long time Mm -hmm. since I've seen it, but man, that was so disturbing, but I'm setting an excellent tone for the day. No, no, no. (laughs) I mean, it it really, I I adored the X-Files. I was obsessed before probably season eight or so when uh, Mulder left. Uh, But I absolutely was obsessed with this show, whether it was a monster of the week or whether it was the mythology stuff. And I, that I'm like you, I haven't gone back and watched all of them. I've watched a few of them. The movies are trash. The first ones are. Um, But uh, I kind of enjoy going back. It's very dated, especially Mm. like the, the clothing and the cars and like the environment. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I could probably go back and get obsessed all over again. Do we have shows like that anymore, really? That's a really a naive question, but I don't watch much, like, TV. People tried to people tried to copy it right afterwards, just like Lost. Well, just like, I think you know, uh, a lot of Supernatural fans would say that show, but I've never seen it, and I don't know that it's the same. But I think that captured a lot of the same audience. Yeah, there was something about X-Files that tapped into something different. Like, it was, there's something... Because there was something bigger, right? It, there's, there, the truth yep. is out there and everything. Supernatural is more about like, well, we already know this shit exists. So, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's true. Or, There's not the mystery of it. We we don't know it exists, but this is happening behind the scenes and it's all supernatural and everything. I've seen like a couple episodes of Supernatural. I'm sure Jonathan has seen all the entire series, but uh, Yeah, I haven't seen it. But uh, I'll tell you one thing that tried to copy X-Files was uh Millennium. Yeah. It actually aired right after the X-Files. Lance Henriksen one season. Yeah. yeah, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. But I, I but man, 
got the X. Yeah, and and they also had uh, the uh, the what was it the the three nerds that were in the uh, basement that were always uh, oh the lone gunman the lone yeah. gunman. They tried that for a while too, but um, but like uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a a big there's a truth out there type show uh going on right now like something that's got that kind of and you could watch well, queen's gambit well queen's besides that though barrett besides that <laughs> and that's and that uh, and that was only seven episodes anyway yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. fuller house fuller, fuller house, house. Yeah. yeah you know yeah, what yeah, we, yeah. we're answering i we just i just answered my own question i mean there's plenty <laughs> there's plenty out there <laughs> What was the the other X Files meme that was? Is I want I want it. What is it? I want. To, I want to believe. I want to believe. believe. So I want mm-hmm. to believe. Was remember? Remember the kid who got trapped in the hot air balloon and it was a, a big oak. Oh and yeah. Somebody yeah. somebody did a meme. I think I think after after I, I don't know if it was it was probably not after they found out. It was <laughs> Where it, was, it said, "I I want to be alive." Oh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> That's sick. That's sick. <laughs> I guess after they laughed that it was he lived. If he had not lived, oh, oh I know, it would be, be so fucking morbid. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, he lived because he never went up in the balloon. No. Right, <laughs> right. Six minute ads. <laughs> no, not not seven minute ads. <laughs> That's six minutes. Uh, I love his uh, his face before he says that. Uh, Har- is it Harlan? Um, yeah, Harlan Williams. Name? Harlan Williams, where he's like. Until somebody comes out with six minute abs, and then he's like, he like glitches a little bit. He's like, no, 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 seven, no, seven brides for seven brothers. Yeah. You know that old, that old, uh, what is it? That old tale from the sea. Would you like to know more? <laughs> yeah. What was I thinking about? There was a Paul Verhoeven. Oh, it was when I was uh, thinking about movies we love to hate. Like, there's a lot of paul verhoven that i could have put in there yeah <laughs> i put showgirls but like basic instinct could be in there and to me robocop could be in there and, you know uh, yeah you know when uh, I, I last saw showgirls when we did that interview with the guy who did the you don't know me documentary mm-hmm. uh and i've noticed something about nudity back in the 90s like all the women have the same kind of body back in the nineties. Like there's something about the hips and the ass that are just like, they've been, they've sculpted it just a certain way. It's very Hmm. strange. You don't see it anymore. You don't see that same kind of nudity anymore. Um, yeah, you could see a parallel between Sharon Stone and uh, Elizabeth Berkley. Sharon Stone has almost the same yeah. kind of body that Berkeley yeah. does. And I saw some other movie that came out around that time. I was like, what is the deal? What's, I mean, I was, I was like, uh, outside of my horniness, I was able to analyze it and go, yeah. there's something about what they were doing back then that was accentuating hips and like ass shape in a way that even, was, even Eyes Wide Shut does that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like all the women in the, it, it, I always, cause that's not really my type, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, you know, when Nick Nightingale's like, and the women, you know, the blindfold slipped and the women. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was like, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, when you see nudity today, it's nothing like what you saw in the nineties. It's it's insane. It's I, I don't agree. know what I don't know what it is. They were all going to the same trainer or something. I don't know. We will work on your ass today. Yeah, yeah. We want to make your hips look like they cut glass. You know that type of thing. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know why the trainer is like Romanian. Yeah, I don't either. They have to be though. They have to be something. To be. We will work on the hips on the ass they're today. Not, they're not American, that's for sure. I think he's got a hua down there. Not well. Why would he have her show up like um, two hours before he? Maybe it's like the uh, the um, office Christmas party where uh, Dopender. Uh, gets the hua, and she gives hand jobs to, to all of his coworkers in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm giving well, my I love Jillian Bell is starts... great in that where she's like, I can't, I can't hear you over the my gun. Who's pointed yeah. at you? I love when she, the the hua starts giving hand jobs to everybody in the bathroom. <laughs> she came up to me and she was like, "Hey, forty dollars, I'll give you a hand job." He comes out, he's like, "You can't give hand jobs to my coworkers." oh my god it's funny shit <clears throat> i like that movie a lot paul dano's one of them gandolfini mm. chris cooper mm. and uh some other guy mm-hmm. oh forrest uh forrest uh whitaker i saw it. a weird ass paul dano movie the other day where he's a writer and the girl he writes in his book comes to life and becomes his girlfriend oh and he can change her by writing about her oh so it's like her... fiction and weird science put together. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Oh, really? Yeah, that sounds like a really it. good premise. Well, maybe um, maybe you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll try it. 